The Press Box is here to catch you up on the latest media stories. Hosted by Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker, these guys have the insight on the biggest stories you care about. Check out The Press Box on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Misa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am all right. Thanks, man. Hanging in there. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Slightly <laughs> refreshed. I think, I think yeah. It's power nap. Slightly, slightly more tired than I think I <laughs> Yeah, tell realized. me about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank God. I shouldn't be tired at all, but I am. No, not at all. Not. I mean, I'm just, yeah, my sleep patterns are all over the place at the moment. Yeah, that's, I think that's partly it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's because I'm ill. Like, I just can't shake this. This, I'm, I'm turning into one of those people that's just like, it's like COVID, but it's not COVID. Oh no, oh no. <laughs> I just can't shake it. Uh, anyway. Can I say actually one quick thank you to my weird sleep patterns at the moment, because they allow me to be up early enough to watch the Denver Nuggets against the Phoenix Suns and the beautiful Nikola Jokic, who's playing the best basketball of his life, or anyone's life for that matter. So yeah. Very true. So that was a, a silver lining to the uh, insomniac cloud. <laughs> nice. <laughs> good. Uh, we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, wherever you are. Some quick admin, right? house on Friday. Mayowa and Florence are joining in. Counterpress is back as well, so go check that out. Yep. And um, theringer.com. Check the Stadio Outros players on Spotify. I think that's all the admin. Yes. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the FA statement on offensive, abusive and discriminatory chanting, which I think we can, we're pretty pleased to see that such a definitive statement come out from the FA about it. Yeah. And then in part two, we'll talk about some of the football. There was a lot of cup football this week, so we'll talk a little bit about that stuff. Just do a quick roundup and uh, keep it pretty brief for today. Yes, bright and breezy. Let's get into it after this. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. 
All right, man. So the FA released a statement yesterday that says, I'll read it out. The FA strongly condemns all offensive, abusive and discriminatory chanting in football stadiums and is determined to stamp this behaviour out. These chants can have a lasting and damaging impact on people and communities within our game and it must stop. Today, the FA has formally written to all clubs across the Premier League, EFL, National League, Women's Super League, Women's Championship and Steps 2-4 to to remind them that it can pursue formal disciplinary action against any club whose supporters engage in discriminatory behaviour, now including the use of the term rent boy. This important step follows the recent successful prosecution of an individual by the Crown Prosecution Service for homophobic abuse, specifically relating to that term that I mentioned before, rent boy. Uh, The FA has now informed all clubs that it considers the rent boy chant to be a breach of the FA rules These rules apply to the conduct of supporters at both home and away fixtures and clubs at all levels of English football have a responsibility to ensure their spectators behave appropriately when attending matches. The FA takes all allegations of discrimination extremely seriously and would encourage anybody who has been subject to or a witness of incidents of discrimination to report it to the FA, the club or the the relevant authorities so it can be investigated thoroughly. Together, English football can drive meaningful and positive change so that stadiums can be a safe and enjoyable environment for all. Um, for those who aren't aware of where this has come from, there's, there's, a, there's a chant that's been going around for many, many years mm. and it's kind of started to, I'm not sure if it's resurfaced or if it may be just uh, our focus on these kind of chants has become more focused. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder if there's more uh, focus. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough to um, tell. It's a chant. Uh, to, it's a homophobic chant towards, usually directed at Chelsea fans or players. Um, it was the chant that Jurgen Klopp came out and had a meeting with the head of, I think it was the LGBTQ Liverpool yeah, supporters Liverpool, yeah, yeah. Uh, guy about it, because some Liverpool fans sang it at the Norwich away game last season. I think at, at Billy, Billy Gilmore. Uh, Billy yeah. Gilmore. Yeah, it was on loan. Yeah, and I think Klopp did like summed it up so well and we'll probably echo a number of the things that we that he says throughout this thing but it's something that we've been talking about not talking about we're talking about off air for sure Mm. but also something that pops up every now and again and you see it with a number of clubs so for example mocking tragedies involving clubs Um, you know Hillsborough is a big one Mm. Uh, the Munich air disaster is another the homophobic stuff towards Chelsea anti-Semitic chance towards Spurs yeah absolutely absolutely um, there's also the kind of you know towards uh, Spurs fans the hissing as well the kind of the yeah. gas chamber noises and here's the thing I want to add something to this as well because it's funny because there are all those chants which have been um, criticised highlighted in different ways the interesting thing about this what were the I'm always fascinated when these when these kinds of steps are taken what were the levers the triggers that empowered and emboldened the FA and it feels to me like a mixture of outstanding grassroots activism from groups like Chelsea Pride, regular members of the public just stepping up, people like Joe Lysett, and also people within the FA, you know, because there's some great people at the organisation, as we both know, and maybe also the Premier League too, Premier League clubs, a mix of individuals. And I just want to give credit to everyone who's advocated in their own way, be it a private email, be it a text, be it, an e- be it a whatever. Because actually, I think we're in a time where a lot of stuff is not going right for football. And I think this is a really important sign that positive change can happen. And I kind of, I know it's negative the chance, but I think this is a moment to say, actually, you do have a say in this. 
you can improve stuff. You can make football grounds a more hospitable place for everyone, regardless of who they are and who they choose to love or who they love. That makes sense. So yeah, sorry to go off on by myself, but. No, no need at all. There. I mean, like a bisexual male. And I think that the, your, your oh, no, how I, you I, feel I about this. Like you don't like to talk about stuff at all. I think this is an interesting time for football in the Premier League because I think there's some really, really good work being done at the moment. And yeah. maybe it's a theme that I'm, they might touch on Wrighty's house this week because of the something very, very different. But you know, Arsenal unveiled a load of the new artwork that's going to go around. Oh my God, that looked great. That evening looked great, didn't it? Did you see the, the video yeah. that Ian posted on Instagram? Yeah, I, didn't get, I didn't get an invite. Oh no. kind of, I thought this, thought this was a low key affair. Really oh. not. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> um, no, no, we're joking. We're joking. No, no, no. But uh, about that connection with a club, how Arsenal are an interesting case study at the moment, and it's not related to this, but it kind of is related in the sense of like how a club can. Football clubs are like top flight football clubs specifically now are so far removed from what they once were mm. that it's actually quite odd to see them reconnect with fans. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I feel that what's happening at the moment in the Premier League or uh, clubs in the Premier League have a really, really good opportunity to do this mm. is to be proactive on all of this stuff, but not just be proactive on the Rainbow Laces campaign or the social media, you know, very, very well executed, copywritten stuff that's, you know, the slogans and all of this. Yes. Do it on on the real. Yes, yes. Fans in the stadium tapping someone on the shoulder and be like, mate, don't say that. Mm. Clubs really stamping down this behaviour and towards their own fans. You know, I know you see a lot of like, we heard that a small section of our fan base did this, did this, did this, but there's never really, or there, there really seems to be actual consequences involved. And I feel that a lot of football clubs talk the talk, but they actually have to kind of deliver. And I feel that this from the FA is an interesting one because sometimes I feel that Premier League football clubs really need to be nudged before they do stuff. Mm. I think this is the absolute minimum the, the FA should do. Yes. Because the FA can kind of use these this kind of statement to say that football is for all at the top level and they're talking about the pyramid of English football. But mm. then what happens on a smaller scale affects what happens on a bigger scale. No, for sure. For sure. Do you know, it's funny because I remember the, the thing that was a piece by Jacob Steinberger a few years ago on shocking levels of racism at grassroots football. And I think it's a similar, a similar vein, you know, with homophobia as well. Um, you know, the recent World Cup showed us there's still a lot of work to do at grassroots level. There is, yeah. a, there is a lot. Um, I think you're absolutely right. And it's that mix, isn't it? It's that mix between applauding the FA for taking some action and finding it welcome. And at the same time being like, you know, there is, there is further you can go. If we're going to go there, then let's really go there. Mm-hmm. Because we just think, you talk about growing the game, we just think how many fans you're missing out on who've turned away, um, who've been turned away by the homophobic games or, or players, you know? Uh, and I think, you know, whenever, it's funny, whenever I used to go to like, this is a horrible analogy, but I started, so I'll go there. Whenever we used to do any kind of spoken word gig or poetry gig, I always used to think who's not in the audience, who's, some people, I just hate poetry, that's fine. And I feel the same with football. When you have viewers of football, people watching a game, people in the stadium, I always think who didn't come to the match? You know, who didn't feel welcome at the match? Some might just not like football, that's fine. But how about those who love football but feel like they can't engage with it? How many people love watching non-league games, but the energy at certain places puts them off? And I think the point you've made is so important about grassroots because the stuff that happens out of sight 
is actually more important in the end because everyone begins at the grassroots, you know, before you're, before, yeah. before you're under the spotlights, everyone starts at the grassroots. So maybe that's where the next level of change has, has to come. But again, I know I don't want to be negative. I want to say in the, in the short term, grateful for this step. Um, yeah. Um, Shall I read the statement yeah. from yeah, uh, Chelsea Pride? Because please, please. they obviously responded to this saying, mm. Uh, we at Chelsea Pride welcome the decision from the FA to take action against the homophobic chant that is directed at those connected to Chelsea Football Club. Our chair has worked with it w- with the club, the CPS, and many incredible people across football in the pursuit of change. Today, today we are seeing a path for change taking place. However, this is kind of kind of related to our point, I suppose. Now more than ever, it's vital we continue to work closely with Chelsea on homophobia, biphobia, and transphobia, and the No to Hate campaign. It's also vitally important that clubs now stand up for the LGBTQ plus community that plays such an important role within football. An FA statement said, uh, they basically read out part of the statement. Um, but that's a, that is a, such an important point. That it's just, and it kind of le- it echoes what you were saying is that the problem that football has had for so long is that uh, p- people just feel like it's not their game based on the language, the behaviour, and just other bits, just mm. other messaging that they see, you know? And I feel that it is changing. It's hard for us, I think, to fully understand or appreciate me specifically, I feel like, because in terms of the pecking order of who will be subject to abuse, yeah, the straight white guy isn't really the one that's going to get it. Mm. Although, you know, with some of these woke people nowadays, Musa, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like we're an endangered species. Can't even be a straight white guy anymore. I'm getting cancelled. You know, you know, it's so funny you talk about that. <laughs> it's funny you say this. Let me just throw this out there as well on that note of, of wokeness. Watching like, you know, because I, I love watching sort of YouTube reviews of, of different films and so on. And one of the, I, I hate YouTube for this. It gave me, somewhere in the algorithm, it gave me like a sort of far right critique of why the Marvel movies were struggling at the moment. And it was oh. like, oh, it's because they're, they've gone all woke. And I'm like, no, it's because some of the writing is just not as tight as some of the other writing. Like it's not all about. And also <laughs> like they're comics. They're comics. Right. And right. And it's like, actually like the writing, some of the writing is just not as tight as the other writing. That's just yeah, it. Man. Like, yeah, storytelling. Ain't that deep. Yeah. Uh, anyway, what was I saying before I started uh, cancelling all straight white men? Cancelling all culture. <laughs> it's just you can't say anything nowadays. Music. Can't That's can't say anything. They say can't say. Continuing to talk for <laughs> hundreds of episodes. Right, we've been si- we've been uh, silenced. Yeah, I just feel like free speech, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> I've said this before in Stadio, but the fact that we're still going is the biggest example that free speech exists. <laughs> <laughs> it's like honestly, Musa has been dying, dying to get to cancelled, cancelled for ages. <laughs> anyway, I can't remember what I was saying now. Uh, that yeah, oh that was it. Yeah, basically, I think unless you're actually a target for that, it can be hard to fully fully appreciate. I think how that's much right. change that's right. is actually yeah. occurring. You know, for example, there were reports last night of homophobic abuse at the Forest Wolves game. Yeah, yeah. I think you made a really good point. You know that thing you say about people who don't experience it, not realise how much change is happening. I think that's actually quite um, a straightforward thing in our society. Like people, people who are straight, who are white, um, people who've never had any challenges with mobility or anything. Mm. You know, we, we don't live in a... Um, we live in a society where a lot of people just don't get it and mm. which is, you know, it's fine of itself, you know, can't expect to get it. I think there is a real problem with people that kind of go, 
oh, I don't, like you say, I, I, I don't experience that. So I, I can't imagine it's a thing. Yeah. Oh, I haven't heard anything. It's oh, really common. Heard. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. this. But also yeah, unless yeah, you're the, tar- yeah. if you're, if you are the target of stuff like that, you are way more in tune to the threat. Mm. Like you, for example, have talked to me before about how like you are hyper aware in certain parts of the world that you go to, or even certain parts of Berlin, mm. you are hyper tuned into a like an actual threat of violence. Yeah, absolutely. Like more so absolutely. than I am. Yeah, I've got an example of that specifically. A brief peek behind the curtain. Seeing <laughs> someone a while back and a guy approached me with racist intent and the person I was seeing saw them approaching from across the road and they were like really, really nervous and the person got within like two metres and as they approached, the person I was seeing was like, oh my God, Moose, like, there's, a, there's a guy like saying racist stuff and I was like, no, I clocked him. Like, and I, I'd seen, I hadn't visibly looked up, but I had like a 10 meter radius mm. and I was completely aware of him like eight meters before I actually looked up and acknowledged him. I was like, I knew he was there. I clocked him. Like, it's just, mm. you're always, there's like a sort of radius in certain parts of town, five, 10 meters all the time, whether you're getting on a train, whether you're always aware in certain parts of town or certain cities in Europe, even where, where that person is coming from. And a lot of people mm. just don't have that. I'm not, I wish most people didn't have to have that, but it's a thing that I... I need. So yeah. Maybe let's kind of like loop this up. The thing I would say to this and not wanting to get too preachy, but I think like never underestimate the part that we all play within that ecosystem. Yes, yes, yes. However small it may seem, Mm. anytime that you make something a little bit more accessible or you raise a topic with someone who may, I don't know, said something a little bit like, "Mm," pull people up on it, tap that person on the shoulder, be like, don't say that, come on. Mm. Be like, bro, it's not the one. In the WhatsApp group, yeah, I don't know, but then you can do it in more subtle ways, like create a place that people feel welcome. Never underestimate how big or small those things. You can know, I be. love you said that actually. Just um, and we will tie this up. But I think that's. I want to drill deep on that a little bit more because that's a really good piece of practical advice. Like speaking up about this stuff in circles that feels uncomfortable doesn't have to be like a grand gesture. It can literally be that in a WhatsApp chat. Yeah. Someone makes a joke like that, and somebody like, oh, this, no, that's, this, that's not it. Someone, that's this not, is a football chat. One, this is a football yeah. chat. Like, sorry, yeah. this is like. Do you know what I mean? Or let's, even like a negative emoji and be like, or like a chin stroking emoji or whatever. Because yeah. I used to teach classes on this about how to intervene in these situations. And very often, actually, people don't realize that saying stuff in a peer group goes a huge way. It goes a huge way to dismantling a culture which sometimes has been a little bit, mm. not say um, unwelcoming, let's say that, unwelcoming. Because I think that football should be a welcoming culture. I agree. Should we talk about some football after the break? Let's do it. Jedi are being murdered. On June 4th, Star Wars returns only on Disney+. Plus. I didn't do it! Believe me! She was my student. Let me be the one to bring her in. Now she is a student of the dark side. An acolyte. Star Wars The Acolyte. Two episode premiere June 4th only on Disney+. Plus. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, man. So, Cups galore this week. Let's start in Italy with the Coppa Italia, where an 
82-year-old Jean-Louis Buffon. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. I knew it. <laughs> I just age-shamed. After, after, yes. after all of that bullshit positivity, in the first half, All that positivity. I've just... I've just oh, I'm part of the problem. Shock, you are part of the problem. You are. I'm part of You contain multitudes, yeah. Into two... Palmer won after yes. extra time at San Siro. Two games at San Siro this week. Lovely. I loved like back-to-back San Siro nights. Shout out to the one of the commentators who said early early in the game, into slicing Palmer open there. Oh. <laughs> Completely deadpan. Completely wow. deadpan. <laughs> uh, Palmer went ahead. Yes. With a Stanko Juric. Worldy. Banger. Absolute banger. Such a good goal. And uh, Palmer were looking good. Really, really good. Really good. So uh, it be now. They haven't got the, um, well, after financial trouble, put them down or mm. conspired to put them down. Um, but yeah, they were really, really strong and uh, they would have gone through if it hadn't been for another late banger from Latar Martinez. Gigi Buffon was brilliant in this game. He was brilliant in this game. He's like yeah, 40 well, odd oh, now. Yeah. He's, he was so good, man. Like He was outstanding. Rolling back really years. Was. Yeah, yeah. But I want to talk about him in a second because I think there was something like just, I felt really sorry for him for the winner. But yeah, this man goal. was in goal. Buffon um, was in goal in the 2006 World Cup final. <laughs> yeah, but that's not that's not too bad because that's 16, that's 16, 17 years ago. That's not a while. It's a while. He's 44. It's a while ago. It's but the thing is, though, the, uh, Buffon was actually in goal when you had to wait for the internet to start working and it used to go dial up. Like, that's how old. Yeah, that's a better indicator, yeah. Yeah. But the fact that he was peaking that long ago is wild. Um, it is wild. But shout out to Lautaro Martinez. And this is an interesting one. Like, there is a massive sliding doors moment in, in football. If Lautaro is not offside against Saudi Arabia for Argentina in the World Cup and he scores, how different his World Cup looks and if Argentina win at all. But it's so interesting because he's very much a player who, if he gets his eye in, he's lethal. And seeing him score this brilliant goal against Palmer, really important goal later on that Inter needed, at a point where they dropped points in a game after beating Napoli, they kind of were in a slight skid again. To see him score such an important goal was really wonderful. It was also left me a bit of sadness. It's like, oh my God, imagine if he'd had that finishing form in Qatar, like for him personally. Mm. So it was a great goal, but it's tinged a bit of sadness. But yeah, but to your point about Buffon and the winner that he conceded, it was kind of sad because it was, it's a beautiful finish, right? Mm. An incredible headed lob near to the box, but it was kind of on him. See, I watched it over and over and over again. So basically he makes a great save, yeah. gets down to it really well, but the ball goes up and, and actually, no, he punches it. He yeah. actually does the, but he punches it well away from goal. Yes. But then Francesco at Serbi just basically does this, like, it's kind of like a, it's, it's, it's like a pro Evo header. It's an incredible finish. It's isn't a pro Evo it? header from like the edge of the box. A headed lob. A headed lob. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And Buffon gets up, and but he's just not quite there. But actually, I don't think it's more I mean, a great finish, isn't it, than a mistake? Yeah, it's, I don't think it's more. I don't think it's really a mistake. And maybe a, I don't know, maybe a younger keeper might have had better reflexes to get up. And it wasn't like he was like. Can you remember that thing of Steve Bruce getting in and out of chairs? Someone made a montage of the noise that Steve <laughs> Bruce made every time yeah. he got in and out of a chair, which is basically what I do now. I'm in deep into my thirties, mm. but um, it wasn't like Buffon was kind of like time to go kind of thing. And it wasn't like Ortega being caught off his line against Southampton. No, it wasn't like that, which we'll about, talk about. Which, Actually, yeah. I think it was almost like there are some finishes where it's like you're challenging the the striker to beat you from there. Like it has to be an exceptional striker. And to be honest, the header itself mm. was 
was next level. It was great, like, yeah, like just sometimes you, that's one of those. Sometimes you just go be like, ah, fuck, you know. I mean, I wonder if there's a disproportionate number of great goals scored in the midweek. I'm sure some stats person has run the numbers and been like, actually, yeah, like a disproportionate number of bangers are scored on on Wednesdays. And if you actually watch games, then you'll see. There were, like a, it's like, you think it's like Uber. You think it's like a surge pricing of bangers. I wonder if there are, because there were some absolute, <laughs> <whew>. <laughs> there were some big rewards for anyone that watched football. Well, the big reward for Inter is to go through to the quarterfinal of the Coppa Italia. Yes, where um, they will not be joined by, by Milan. Milan, who lost to Torino they did. They after did. extra time. Ten man Torino, by the way. Goodness me. Had, um, Gigi got sent off. That was absolutely a record. It was a second yellow. Yeah, but I, huh, I disagree. I don't think, I didn't think that was a yellow. Ryan. <laughs> I didn't think it was a yellow. Oh I, didn't, you know what? I didn't think it was yellow because studs weren't facing the player. He contacts the ball with the side of his foot. There's no, there's no, I didn't even, it didn't even look like the player. I can't remember who it was now, but it didn't look like they appealed for it. The commentary was just like, yeah, clear second yellow. And I was just like, guys. Am I the, Did I you see like, that on the first the look? Because on the first look I saw it, I was like, yeah. It's a- well, the first look I was like, oh, that looked nasty. And then the second one, I was like, oh, actually, no, he doesn't. I don't know. I, I think it's the follow through after he's made contact with the ball. Yeah. But he actually just kind of controls the ball with the outside of his foot and they just collide. I don't, I'm not, I don't know. I don't. I think it's the most righteous yellow card, self-righteous yellow card I've seen. As in, I saw, when I saw it, I was just like, oh, ref. I was just like, I was up, I was up and up, jumped out of my seat. Did you know what? It literally doesn't matter. Why are we talking about this? It doesn't matter because uh, Torino won the game anyway. Their goal was so good. And like, because Milan, it was like a fucking length siege to that Torino goal. Yeah, they hit the word word once or twice. Did, yeah. yeah. Um, but then they broke. Was it Sasha Lukic? But that lovely pass outside to Brian Boyeye. On the break, yeah. Oh my God. And then they just bombed down the right-hand side, crossed it into Adopo, who lovely finish. Lovely side finish. Finish. Great counter-attacking goal. And that, that's a, such an unbelievable result, that. Going down to 10 men with, what, 20 minutes to go and playing the whole of extra time. So it was like 50 minutes of 10 men. Against that Milan team in Milan. Pretty, pretty good. Yeah, one for the ages um, Yeah, some, we're recording this ahead of Fiorentina's game against Samp and Roma's game against Genoa, so... Uh, We'll know the quarterfinalists after that. But uh, let's go to Saudi Arabia for the Spanish Supercopa. Yes. Uh, just a quick one. We can keep this pretty brief, but uh, Real Madrid beat Valencia on penalties after the game finished one all. Uh, Benzema opened the scoring with a penalty, which was... So- <laughs> the foul on Benzema for the penalty was gets brought down by Koba. Koba picks up the ball. Walks over to the ref to try and claim that he got the ball, which he just didn't. <laughs> Not at all. It was, but I, do you know, what I mean? it was, it was. I was kind of like this. Oh, I finally found it. This was actually what I was going for. That I was nowhere near. That's what he should have been saying. <laughs> and Benzema just sat there being like, "What are you doing?" Like, because he just kind of shoved him in the back and then kicked him in the thigh. It was such a silly foul. It was so clear. Yeah. The funny about this game actually, there's a Camavinga thing. I wanted to just put a bookmark on because there's been a lot of talk about why Camavinga doesn't start complete more games for Real Madrid. And there was a really great point someone made on social media, one of the uh, people over the Managing Madrid website, about Camavinga's foul trouble and about how he gets booked quite a bit. So it's really hard for Ancelotti, who obviously loves him as a player, to give him a full 90. Mm. Um, so just a, a lot of people sort of concerned at like, who don't watch Camavinga every week. I don't watch him every week. And obviously he's a brilliant player, but I think there's an element of like, sometimes the challenges he goes, you know, he risks a yellow in certain places. 
and that's why he doesn't play more. So I just thought I'd mention that briefly. Um, and it was also funny to see Modric come on in this game and actually not dominate the game immediately, which is funny. Like, because normally Modric just comes on and everything's fine. You know, it's like, <laughs> that Modric is like honey on the porridge. Do you know what I mean? Just as the extra. <laughs> but not this time, not this time. Uh, Betis against Barcelona tonight in the other semi-final. Mm. They will be hoping for a Classico final, which is why they're doing it. Should we talk Carabao Cup? Can we go with the Southampton first? Yes. Just because... Can I say Southampton to Manchester United? Lovely goals, and they were outstanding. Southampton were, were absolutely so outstanding. I said this were, last night on Twitter. They, they were, were outstanding, really and they were fun, mm. playing with real freedom. And I, I just hope this is a performance they can take, and just examine that DVD and look at what everyone did in that game, and be like, "This is the level. This is the standard. This is who we are." Like, and I know there's a thousand reasons why a team like that is bottom of the league. I also know that a team playing with that quality has got a chance of taking itself off the bottom of the league. I know that much. Lianco was unbelievable. <laughs> and also is terrifying. Like, D- it's dude, not- <laughs> like, there was a bit where, was it Jack Grealish bumped Gineppo and Gineppo went down holding his face and basically Lianco just went over him, pushed Grealish away and stood over him like a protective, like, lion. Do you know what I mean? Like when you see like- Right, I want no like, parts of that. I want no parts like, of that. Whoa, whoa, that guy's yeah. going to eat someone in a minute. This is terrifying. Wow. Yeah, he was brilliant. As he was, was, he was brilliant. All as game. was Carl Walker-Peters, who was unlucky. Yeah. Unlucky has the misfortune, Carl Walker-Peters, to be a right back in this era of right backs for England. I know. So he just does it at left back. Brilliant. He's brilliant like, player. I play left but back. He was, right outstand- back he was outstanding on the right uh, um, when he switched there in the second yeah, half. Yeah, he was. Outstanding. So many great players, but yeah, just the goals very quickly. So, um, Mara's finish, first time finish. That's, you know, Ian would have loved to finish like that. You talk yeah. about that. Cut to the near post, or like a Fernando Torres. So Fernando Torres loved the near post finish, right? Mm. Cut to the near post, ripped it. And he'd actually had a couple of, he had an effort, I think, before that, almost getting his eye in and missing Southampton's chance creation in this game. Bear in mind that City didn't get a shot on target the entire match. Mm. And this is using both Alvarez and Holland who came in the second half. So Southampton's chance creation in the first half was outstanding. They went 1-0 up through Mara and then the goal by Gineppo. Oh my God. So he gets the ball, so good. cuts in from sort of inside left position, looks up and he's about 40 yards out and sees Ortega mm. off his line, has his head down, driving towards goal and rips this lob. That only, it was, it was, the, it was the kind of goal that you would imagine in the sort of Robert Perez or Yaya Toure Hall of Fame. Those are the only two players who immediately spring to mind who'd have the audacity as well as the technique. That type of finish where it's just like outrageously good. And the ball dips and swirls and actually finishes up in the middle of the net. It's an unbelievable, it's, it's one of the goals of the season. And the stadium just goes absolutely nuts. So, you know, and here's the wild thing about that goal, right? Almost like and I'm not a Southampton fan, so I don't know how things are week to week, but it's the kind of goal where it's like celebrated with an extra level of euphoria because it's like, wow, mm. our team is doing something spectacular and playing with a freedom that we haven't had for months. We're doing it. We're actually doing it in a huge game where City actually ended up sending on enough players that you're like, they're taking this seriously. Yeah, I mean, even that, like their rotated starting eleven still had Foden, Alvarez, Grealish, Gundogan, Calvin Phillips, Phillips Cancelo, Carl Walker, Laporte, Cole Palmer, one you know of the best I mean? young players. Like, well, all exactly, like, like, all, like best young players in the country. Yeah, yeah, you know, and they bring on Kevin De Bruyne, Akanji, Nathan Ake, uh, Erling Haaland, and Rodri. It's like, 
They really Come went on. for it in the second half. And they didn't have an extra gear, really. They brought off, I mean, they started with Grealish. Yeah. Grealish couldn't get much change out of Lianko. And the striking thing about this was they go to, they go to like um, half time at 2 0 up. And the second half, oh my goodness, talk about a blueprint for how to play when you're up against City. You don't retreat into your shell, you keep hitting them on the counter. Mm-hmm. And you hit them on the patient counter. So there was some really impressive keep ball in the corner by, um, by Southampton to ride out the game. But also the way they broke through Walker Peters, what I loved about it was it reminded me when Sancho would break for Dortmund and he had such a patience. He wouldn't just like, Sancho wouldn't just charge into the final third and hammer it. He'd get there, hold the ball up, check his options, play a one-two, then cut for the byline again. And watching Southampton in this game the game management, like they denied, they denied, um, I mean, when they brought in De Bruyne and De Bruyne like immediately showed how dangerous he was. He released Alvarez mm. down the right. But fundamentally, they pressed so well with so much intensity that City were like kind of, they were almost, what's the word? They were attacking. They were, they were using attack as a form of defense, if that makes sense. Mm. So quick to the break, so good in central areas and just shut them down. Like, and this thing for Pep as well, because, you know, City obviously in these different competitions, but there's not easy change in any of those tournaments, right? Champions League, obviously not a foregone for Man City. The league, Arsenal are proving, I think, surprisingly resilient by a lot of people's estimates. Uh, yeah, this, I think this time next month, we're going to really, really know how, how tough or how serious Arsenal are because they've got, you know, they've got the North London derby this weekend. Yeah. They also play, they've got play Man United and they play Man City within the next month. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I just think it's really cool for Southampton to be in a semi-finals like this because, I mean, I hope they stay up because we've said before that we have a soft spot for Southampton. Mm. Having like a bit of a distraction from the league, I think can be quite a good thing. Or maybe a catalyst for the league. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know they've, got, they've got Newcastle in the semi-final. It's going to be a tough ask. Yeah, especially um, where they play for, against but, Leicester. Yeah. Forest against Man United in the other one. And, you know, but I think the thing is, having beaten Man City, and kind of, it wasn't like a smash and grab or anything. Like I can't remember Bazuni making a save in the first half or having to make anything no, no, no. remotely yeah. like troublesome. So it wasn't like they were just, um, you know, under the cosh all game. It was, it was a lot of it was in front of them. Yeah, yeah, know? I think so. That's right. Um, yeah, that's right. I don't think they'd go into that game against Newcastle or the, or the tie against Newcastle because it's two legs, isn't it? Um, I don't think they'll have any fear. Nor should they. All. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about Newcastle quick because they beat Leicester 2-0. Mm. They should have been ahead basically in the first minute. Sean Longstaff missed that chance. What is it, like after 40 seconds, which yeah. is kind of like bounced out and then went over the bar. But um, Dan Byrne, which I saw someone tweet, forgive me, I can't remember who it was, but I saw, saw a tweet saying, I don't understand why we have to compare Dan Byrne and Lionel Messi. We just why can't we just enjoy them both? <laughs> That's so good. I mean, uh, most 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 defenders have altitude sickness in that part of the pitch. It was a lovely finish, man. Great finish. Great lovely finish. finish. Yeah. Uh, as was Joel Linton's. Yeah. Lovely finish. And then uh, Vardy had that big miss right at the end. Oh yeah, the look on his face. He didn't need didn't need a, a lip reader to work out what was going on there. No, he did not. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, no, Newcastle were pretty good value for that. I think. Forest beat Wolves on penalties. Uh, there was a really big <laughs> Midlands really, energy in this game. There was a really funny penalty shout for Wolves, and I say funny was because I cannot understand for life how this wasn't given. And like uh, Nunes was like basically 
fouled by Emmanuel Dennis. And Ruben Neves basically <laughs> picks up his boot because basically Dennis has like stood on his boot as well. And he picks up the boot, carries it to the referee as this kind of like proof that the, There's a hole that in the it. crime has There's been a hole committed. In my boot. And he was, but it was almost like, it was quite ceremonial the way that he was doing it. He was just like, I present to you. What more do I have to do? Yeah. <laughs> the boot. <laughs> Exhibit A. In a crime scene. The exactly. Searching with the Holy Grail. It's just like, we're found. <laughs> Why this is not a penalty? Why? Why? But yeah, Forrest winning 4-3 on penalties. And Man United beating Charlton 3-0. Nice Rashford, Rashford is locked in. Yeah, Rashford yeah, brace. Yeah. That's the headline there. Rashford just being absolutely on one at the moment. Anthony's goal was really lovely. And yeah, I think for him, critical. I'll do him in the world of good because started, already there's started to be a few questions about Anthony. Mm. And I feel they're a bit premature. With that price tag though. Yeah, I, with yeah. that price tag, we've talked about this before, how that can affect, especially a young player. Mm. Um, so I'm you know, happy for him that he got the goal. Hopefully that'll keep people off his back for a little bit. But yeah, two for, two for Rashford again. Goal machine. Yeah, it's locked in. Man. Locked in. Uh, anything else you want to talk about the EFL Cup? Uh, no, we're good. We, we're good. Oh, actually on the Man United thing quickly, it looks like Val Vagos is on his way. Terminated his loan at Besiktas and he's going to Old Trafford. What do you think about this? I want to talk about this actually before we move on because I think it's super interesting to see how varied the responses are to this. I am going to say that I trust Manchester United on this. I tell you why I say that because they were completely right about Casemiro and the fit. They were completely yeah. right. Um, they were more right than I dared to believe. So I think they're completely right about Veghorst because he offers a skill set that Manchester United lack elsewhere in their forward line. So they need this. They need a variation. You know, my initial concern would be, you know, what it does to the speed of the attack. But speed hasn't been a problem. If we're playing against teams that will sit deep now and again, and United, I think, are resurgent now, you'll get deep line teams. So you want someone where you have that aerial threat, where you've got players, wide players who can deliver the ball really well and, and act as a focal point and can be someone that people run off. So I think actually this works well for Manchester United. I think he's a... I think he's a vital piece for them, actually. And he won't get anyone else's way because he's a unique player. He's not taking up someone else's role. He's, he's supplementing what they've already got. So yeah, mm. I'm a fan of this. He offers a really good option and an alternative. I don't think he's going to be starting every game for Manchester United. No. That what Veghorst gives you is a really nice additional tool for this, man, this next little evolution of Manchester United. Mm. He's, going to be, he's not going to be a lights-out scorer. I mean, his best season was uh, that 20 goal season he had for Wolfsburg. Mm. But his record isn't actually that bad. Like it's 160, I think it's 160, 170 goals in 407 games. And those have not come in, some of those, those teams have not been ball dominant. No. Burnley I mean, as well, Wolfsburg, yeah, you know, like these are the, not ball dominant teams. A lot of people would have seen what he did at Burnley and were just like, mm, who is this guy? But, you know, even Wolfsburg weren't, you know, they weren't exactly... They didn't really have the ball, right? Like, yeah, yeah. They weren't, they weren't registering like 80% possession per game. Not at all. Um, it was that, that year, he was very efficient for them. But also, we saw the impact that someone like Luke De Jong had at, at Barcelona when he came in. That's and, actually, that's, that's, that's the analogy I was going to draw, you know. Yeah. And I feel that, yeah. that Veghorst could have the same thing. Like in a, in a, in a, in a side that is uh, being proactive, proactive as opposed to reactive mm. and actually has people who, or ha yeah, a side who have many, many players who can create chances. This is the, this is a Christian Eriksen type signing where yeah. you bring a player in 
who you know won't be there for the long term, but who is the kind of the mold for mm. where you want to go eventually. Um, you know, I've talked off, I've said this a thousand times about how I see Rashford ultimately as the kind of the main target man for United. Um, I'd love to, that's my own personal agenda I have there. Mm. But I think in the meantime, you know, Rashford is a wide forward being as devastating as he is and running off a player like Veghorst, almost like the Giroud type thing. Understand as a Giroud type signing where you've got a fixed point and players fluid all around him that allows you then to play maybe three behind him of Rashford, Sancho and Anthony at some point. Um, and then behind them, Casemiro and Ericsson, for example. That's quite an exciting configuration, I think. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Do you want to talk about PSG, Angers? Just because, yeah, just, just yeah, briefly. Messi's game back. A couple of things. So Ekatike scoring a really nice goal um, mm. to start oh, our five minutes. I, I know Messi doing uh, a bit of Moussard Kwonga's Dawson's Law. <laughs> yes. Messi with the pass before the pass that sets up Ekatike. Really lovely pass. Opens the game up and then gets a beautiful second goal. And just mm. the th- it's so strange to see Leo Messi back at work, like back on earth. Yeah. Like how do you actually... I said this before, but how do you even motivate yourself after, not motivate, you know, come and play, but the sense of serenity you must now be playing with having done that. And it's wild because there wasn't like a, there's not like a big month off. Like we're not used to seeing World Cup winners play this soon after winning the World Cup. Yeah, They have yeah. a month off. So you're not like, they don't have that glow. And they would come back after the month off. You're like, oh, they won the World Cup, but then like back to the season. They don't have that same glow around them. There's a kind of little, there's a bit of an aura. Like you look at like McAllister at Brighton and Messi and you're like, I know what it's, <laughs> it's almost, you know, it's like, it's like being at high school with Spider-Man when Peter Parker's just gone and like saved the, saved the universe and comes back into class on Monday. You're like, we all saw what you did at the weekend. Yeah. And like Messi back on the pitch, like scoring against Angers, like some of your position must be like, how is this God walking among us <laughs> having just done that? You know? I know. It's wild, isn't it? Yeah. Great goal though. Great goal by Messi. Before we go, you talked about, you know, the, the weirdness of coming back to work. Mm. Do you know who else is going to experience that soon? Who's that? Macclesfield's Tom Clare. Where's he been? Well, a club statement announced today saying, club statement, Tom Clare. Macclesfield FC can confirm that the club have granted Tom Clare an extended period of leave in order to appear in this year's Love Island. Oh my God, I loved, <laughs> I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with that. I love that. Tom approached us with the request a number of weeks ago and we were happy to show the same loyalty that he has to us since become, becoming one of our first ever signings back in 2021. Despite the fact we are disappointed to lose a player of Tom's calibre for the foreseeable future, we also recognise the incredible opportunity that this represents for both him and his family on a personal level. Tom remains very much part of our plans here at the leasing.com stadium and has expressed his unwavering desire to return to the club after the show. We wish Tom every success and look forward to welcoming him back to the club you know in the future. I love that and I'm instantly jealous. That's incredible. First of all, I'm obsessed because celebrity, but like also like, do you realise how handsome you have to be to be on Love Island? <laughs> I mean, it's just like... Wait, you're sorry, wasted, you're wasted on football, Tom. You're wasted on gaffer, football. Gaffer, gaffer, gaffer. Ah, ah. I, uh, I want to go on Love Island. Can I go on Love Island? Ah, sorry, ah, what? Ah, ah. The remaining Macclesfield players <laughs> need to do their own mock Love Island as well. They need to do their own one. They have to be like, do their own... <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh dear, right. Anything else? We don't, we don't what, can follow, what can follow that? I mean, nothing like that. Nothing, really. <laughs> nothing at all. Um, Imagine the Love Island scouts turn up at the training ground. <laughs> they're, not, they're not there for you. <laughs> <laughs> they're there for Tom. They oh, walk that's right heartbreaking. <laughs> Devastating. 
I love, oh, I love that. I love that. Well, there you go. Um, all right, everyone. That'll do us for today. Uh, don't forget to check Writer's House on Friday. Now twice a week, Writer's House. And Counterpressed as well. Check Counterpressed. Mm. We'll be back on Monday. A lot of derbies this weekend, so we, we will be talking about those. And uh, don't forget to check the ringer.com. Check the Stadio Actress plays on Spotify. Speaking of which, we play out now on Senorita by Actress. Anything you would like to add, we talk on Nothing further. All right, everyone. Have a lovely weekend. Much love. We'll be back with you on Monday. See you then.